I'm Gregory Berg. The studios of WGTD are closed this week because of the holidays, so there are no morning show broadcasts, but the morning show podcast goes on. And all this week I have been replaying memorable morning shows from earlier in the year tied to specific and special events or occasions. One of those occasions was the appearance on the campus of Carthage of one of the greatest singing groups in the country, Chanticleer. Here is the conversation that I was privileged to record with their director. And we welcome you to the Wednesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Whenever I listen to that particular recording, I am instantly transported back to one of the most amazing moments in a life uh, lived with music, the moment when I heard Chanticleer for the first time in a performance actually at Beloit College several decades ago. And I remember being transported by their performance of Franz Bibel's Ave Maria, a piece that most of us in that audience had never heard before or even heard of before. I remember racing to the table out in the lobby afterwards, desperate to buy a compact disc that would have that piece, only to be told apologetically that no recording as yet had been made. <laughs> and this was years before iTunes, years before Amazon, years before streaming, uh, and I still can feel that kind of tightness in my chest, this desperate sense of wanting so badly to hear Franz Bibel's Ave Maria again, sung by Chanticleer. Of course, eventually on a Christmas album called Our Heart's Joy, that transcendently beautiful piece and performance uh, was shared with the world, along with all kinds of other musical treasures uh, for the Christmas season. And that's just one of a wide array of amazing recordings uh, that have been offered up by Chanticleer over its long history, a history which began back in 1978. And Chanticleer, of course, not only is in the business of making uh, amazing recordings, but of also delivering amazing live performance. And uh, the folks of southeastern Wisconsin and northeastern Illinois are fortunate indeed to have the opportunity to experience the magic of Chanticleer uh, this Friday evening uh, in Siebert Chapel on the campus of Carthage College. I'm very privileged to be speaking for the next few minutes with Tim Keeler, 
who is music director of Chanticleer. And uh, we will be finding out from him about his history with the group, about his own musical life, uh, even outside of Chanticleer, and uh, about some of the uh, wonderful music that they are planning to offer up at Friday night's concert. Tim Keeler, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel very privileged to be speaking with you and uh, look forward so much to Friday night's concert. Uh, I'm curious to know, first of all, your own initial encounter with the group Chanticleer, uh, for which now you serve as music director, and briefly for a time you were one of its singers as well. But uh, I suspect you knew something of Chanticleer well before all that. Uh, Tell us about your initial encounter with this group. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I've I've been singing for pretty much as long as I can remember, uh, and Chanticleer has been a part of that uh, experience for a long time as well. I I very clearly remember the first time I heard uh, a recording of the group. It was uh, Magnificat, a twelve-part Magnificat by Andrea Gabrielli, and it displayed the entire uh, range of what Chanticleer is capable of. It had these amazing resonant low notes and these astounding high notes all put together in this amazing package of vibrant Renaissance polyphony that I, it was totally new to me as a, as a high school student. And it, it floored me and it became um, something I was a, a bit obsessed with actually for a while. And, uh, and it really was uh, started me down this path of, of choral music, of singing and of conducting. Uh, and I'll never forget um, listening to that track for the first time. And since then, of course, I've seen Chanticleer perform live, and uh, as you said, was uh, fortunate enough to actually sing with the ensemble uh, in the 2017-2018 season. I had been working as a freelance singer in New York City as a captain, and I got a call up um, over the summer and said, hey, would you like to move to San Francisco and sing with Chanticleer? And I said, yeah, absolutely. That sounds amazing. Um, and so that was that was a fantastic year of, of singing with the group and experiencing what they do firsthand. And now I'm back uh, as music director, which is, um, you know, a bit of a, a, bit of a pinch me moment. <laughs> I should think. I know from your, uh, your biography and your extensive resume that uh, you indeed have done all kinds of, of singing, including uh, a lot of experience uh, singing with a couple of very important uh, groups in, in New York. Uh, one of them specializing in, in early music, the other probably best known for doing very contemporary avant-garde uh, repertoire. Uh, I'm curious what it's like to be a, a part of several different superb groups, and I'm pretty sure that there's been at least a little bit of overlap, that uh, that you haven't been with solely one group at a time, but correct me if I'm wrong, but what is that like to kind of move between uh, different renowned ensembles that I suspect each share a legacy of excellence, but otherwise probably in a lot of different ways are, are each a, a unique ensemble? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I tell you that, um, you know, as a, as a singer in New York, uh, any any freelance musician will tell you that you you make your your career doing a bunch of different things. It really helps to have the desire and the skill set to to dabble in a lot of different genres. Um, and uh, as you're saying, I, I 
and uh, I, I did a lot of early music when I moved to New York, particularly with a group called called Tenet. I did a lot of new music uh, with this group called Acmalus, a lot of avant-garde stuff, um, and everything in between, really. You sort of make what you can out of it, uh, which was, I feel like it's really served me well um, now in this in this role as music director of Chanticleer, um, having this sort of um, breadth of knowledge of different repertoire across the sort of gamut. Um, one thing that's pretty unique about Chanticleer uh, for every singer involved and myself as music director is that it, it is a it is a full-time singing job, and that's pretty rare. <laughs> in fact, it's only one of two ensembles in America that um, you can uh, work at as a performer, as a professional choral singer, and have that be your sole source of income. It's it's pretty remarkable. Um, and so that, so that being said, it, it's that's Chanticleer is pretty much everything that we all do here. It's a 12 singer than me, and it's it's our life. Um, and fortunately, Chanticleer dabbles in pretty much every style of music, whether it's uh, Renaissance or even you know medieval chant, all the way to new commissions. We we try to commission new composers every year. Um, we also do uh, you know jazz and pop uh, and try to try to stick our feet in everything we can. Um, so it's it's Chanticleer becomes this perfect blend of I like to think everybody's past experiences into this amazing um, whole. We're speaking with Tim Keeler, music director of the group Chanticleer, one of the most renowned uh, acapella vocal groups uh, in the world. They are coming to perform this Friday evening a concert at Carthage College in beautiful Siebert Chapel. Uh, Tim Keeler, uh, I think I mentioned in passing uh, the year 1978, the year that the group Chanticleer was formed. Uh, that's uh, well before your time with Chanticleer. For all I know, maybe it was before you were born. Uh, but uh, I'm curious what you can tell our listeners and me about the very earliest days of Chanticleer and uh, the circumstances under which this this group was uh, first organized. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating and uh, it's it's a story that I think resonates with a lot of musicians. Um, so, in 1978 in, in San Francisco, uh, there was a, a group of singers who were um, in the in the choir at Grace Cathedral here in, in the city, um, and one of them uh, being Louis Botto, who was also a uh, a student in musicology in the area, and uh, he and a couple of his singer friends. Uh, decided to get together and sing some music one night over dinner around a kitchen table here in the city. Uh, and it was really sort of brought out of this this theory, this idea um, of singing Renaissance music, of singing early music, um, with a group uh, entirely composed of countertenors, tenors, and basses. So that's, you know, with, without sopranos and altos and without... Um, without like a boy trebles as would happen in a lot of cathedral choirs. This is all um, countertenors, tenors, and basses singing this Renaissance polyphony, which at the time was you know, pretty novel and pretty exciting. Um, it hadn't really been done. You know, there's the only other group that was sort of experimenting with this kind of singing was uh, a group that I'm you know, you're probably familiar with called the King Singers. And they started, um, I think it was about uh, maybe eight or nine years before. And so they'd been doing this thing, and, and, and Chanticleer sort of jumped on and did the American version of it. Um, 
in a really special and unique way uh, in this really special and unique city. And so that was 1978 and started really by a man called Louis Bado, who then forged the path of Chanticleer as this full-time professional um, choral group. And it's, you know, taken a lot of different forms over the year, over the years. Um, you know, it wasn't always 12 singers. At the current version right now, it's 12 um, singers, six countertenors, three tenors, and three basses. And it's been a, some various arrangements of that um, over the years. And and as I said, we started as an, as an early music group, but um, we've since gone on to sing pretty much everything. Uh, and that has a lot to do with the music director who followed Louis Fado, a man named Joseph Jennings, uh, who really is it was instrumental in, in bringing Chanticleer into everybody's hearts and minds throughout America. And he introduced a lot of new repertoire to our um, catalog and did a lot of arrangements for us. Um, and he's just a fantastic musician, and uh, the organization owes a lot to him. I owe a lot to him being sort of taking over his role. Hmm. When I saw Chanticleer at uh, Beloit College, I'm pretty certain that Joseph Jennings was uh, was the music director uh, at the time, uh, and uh, a very vibrant part of that memorable uh, performance so many, many years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about how the group functions, and maybe a little bit about your specific role as as music director. I mean, what responsibilities are yours as music director of Chanticleer? Yeah, it's a great question, and Chanticleer is pretty unique. Um, you know, it's it's a deliberately not a conductor. My role is deliberately not called a conductor because Chanticleer is an, it's an unconducted ensemble. So if you go see the group in, in Kenosha, uh, chances are you won't see me at all. I'll be sitting in the audience taking notes um, uh, because I, I am there sort of as them. Well, I like to say music facilitator is the word that I use. Because everybody in Chanticleer is an amazing musician um, and an amazing singer. And so um, a lot of times in, in rehearsals, um, I my job is to facilitate the conversations about the music and to get everybody on the same page and to direct people in the in a certain path, um, but everybody brings their own ideas and their own insights to the piece. So, so my role is really one of um, of collecting everybody's thoughts and, and making sure everybody's on the same page, and and also being a set of outside ears. It is it is difficult to really hear what's everything that's going on when you're singing inside the group, um, and so I sort of serve as the the outside um, perspective on a lot of things, and I'm there to make sure everything's sort of in place. Hmm. As I uh, read through the biographies of all 12 members of, of Chanticleer, I was really struck, first of all, by uh, the kind of range of musical experience that is there, which I want to talk about in a moment, but also more specifically uh, to my, my current point, the fact that there is so much choral expertise and that probably most, if not all of the rank-and-file members of Chanticleer could probably serve pretty ably uh, as the music director or certainly uh, have the, the kind of uh, ample experience that would would equip them to be the, the music director of some kind of group. And I should think for you as the music director of Chanticleer, that is a, a marvelous opportunity and also maybe a little bit intimidating uh, to be guiding a group in which the 
the collective talent and intelligence and expertise is so formidable. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And uh, it's, um, yeah, absolutely. It's a little intimidating, but uh, it definitely, you know, makes my job a little easier actually, because I can always say, Oh, you know, you know, I know that you have experience singing this kind of music. What do you think is the best way to do this? Or how should this chord sound? Or, uh, it really is, is all of a sudden I have, I have 12 other people to call on in the moment and say, actually, I'm not sure about this. What do you think about this? Should this be this way? Uh, so it, in some ways it, it is, it's amazing uh, to have, to have, to work in the room with all of them at the same time. And you're right. They all have very different backgrounds, uh, which is, I think, crucial to um, Chanticleer's sound. I, I like to think that Chanticleer has this really um, warm and unified and, and blended sound, as sort of demonstrated by the, the people you played earlier. Um, but that's that's born from these very disparate backgrounds. Uh, some people in the group, um, you know, sang in uh, cathedral choirs growing up. Uh, some people in the group sang uh, in New York as uh, a Broadway singer. Some people in the group sang as jazz musicians. Um, some people... Uh, sang on cruise ships before they came to Chanticleer. It's this really wide array of um, abilities and uh, this sort of the melding of all those 12 different sounds. Very unique sounds. Very, very special singers. Um, somehow all come together to make one incredibly unified whole. And I think that's what's maybe most special about Chanticleer. Right. And I think you're touching on something that's truly extraordinary. That uh, that one way to try to achieve that would be to try to take 12 singers who all grew up in cathedral choirs and, uh, and uh, are, are part of that tradition. But instead, you have a group where one of your current members uh, fell in love with Patsy Cline as a young boy and actually performed Patsy Cline songs uh, for much of his childhood. Someone else is a vocal jazz specialist who sang with the Rockettes, and someone else, one of your other countertenors, has also uh, dabbled in freestyle rap, and another countertenor has sung Barbershop. <laughs> and uh, on and on it goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's maybe nothing less than a miracle that you gather yeah. together people that bring such a, a wide array of gifts and experiences to the table and it all melds as one. I mean, uh, it it seems like an unlikely possibility, and yet here it is. And it sounds like that's been a part of the Chanticleer legacy for quite some time. Yeah, I think it has, and I think it I think it's pretty special. And you know, there's there's a certain joy of music that I I think is the commonality between all of those people. Um, there's a certain excitement and thrill that comes from singing with other people that ringing a chord in tune with the people around you committing to a performance together with everyone around you to selling a piece of music to really investing in the emotional uh, journey of a piece of music i think these are the things that are that are common to everybody in the ensemble and and it's just these different sort of lenses that everybody brings to the different styles of repertoire and you say, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna look at this piece through uh, through Adam's lens today, and we're all gonna bring this this unified idea of what it means to sing together and perform together and connect. Um, we're gonna bring that all of those similarities, but also bring our differences in, in interpretation and our different 
sounds and our different voices and our different experiences. Mm. Uh, for those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Tim Keeler, music director of the renowned group Chanticleer, coming to the campus of Carthage College this Friday night uh, for a concert in Siebert Chapel. Uh, I want to play a little bit uh, more music, and uh, because the the genesis of the group uh, Chanticleer was around early music, uh, I thought it would be uh, nice to play something that's at least relatively early uh, in terms of repertoire and something that I believe is uh, likely to be sung Friday night. And this is a uh, setting of the familiar text Regina Celi. And uh, before we listen to uh, just a little bit of this, do you want to say a word about this piece and maybe a little bit about the special pleasures that are involved in, in uh, learning and performing uh, early music. Yeah, I, I believe you're referring to the Regina Chaley uh, setting by Alexander Agricola. Right? Yes, yes. Yes. Um, this, uh, yeah, so this is some piece of Renaissance music, uh, actually early, early Renaissance music. Um, and uh, it's not, there's, there's so many different realms of early music and Renaissance music. And Sometimes it's easy for it all get, to get lumped into somebody like Palestrina, those really long, slowy lines and intricately well-crafted counterpoint with nothing sticking out of place. Um, one of the things I, I treasure most about Chanticleer is the ability to sing early music in a, in a pretty thrilling style. And I, think, I like to think that this is one of those pieces that affords us this opportunity. It was written well before um, Palestrina, uh, and it has this really amazing, uh, florid, intricate lines uh, in between uh, throughout the piece. And it's, it's some, something about grabbing onto the, that, that excitement that really brings Renaissance music into the present day. I think it, it can be easy to put early music off to the side and say, oh, it looks, it looks beautiful over there. It sounds beautiful, but I don't have anything that I can relate to in that. Uh, and I, one of the things I, I think Santa Cruz does best is, is bring the early music into the present day and say, look, this is really exciting. This music is really cool. Listen to this. Um, and so that's, this is one of those pieces that always gets me excited every time. Mm. Here it is, a bit of the Regina Celi of Agricola. Thank you. 
That's just a bit of this beautiful piece called Regina Celi. Uh, Tim Keeler, one of the things that uh, strikes me about uh, the program that you're going to be singing Friday night, and I know this to be true of other Chanticleer programs, is that uh, although my, my sense is that as the program begins, we, we, we often are hearing a lot of early music that uh, Chanticleer tends to reject the kind of tried and true traditional approach of you sing your early music first and then you get a little more romantic and then you get a little more contemporary and there's kind of this smooth sailing through uh, kind of the arc of time. And uh, Chanticleer likes to mix things up and looking at Friday night's concert, uh, you will be mixing things up considerably. Um, can you just talk for a moment uh, about that uh, and, and about the kind of things that you and whoever else is involved in those kind of decisions, the kind of things you think about in constructing your programs? Absolutely. I think it, it for me, it really goes back to a lot about what I was saying earlier about these different um, different strengths um, that everybody in the group has, but there's always a, a through line of similarity that everyone has as well. And I feel that way about music, that, uh, you know, we were the same people uh, 400 years ago as we are today. You know, emotions were the same. People still fell in love. People were still scared. Um, there's so many similarities. And, you know, most of the time, it's actually the same the same 12 notes, too, which is pretty remarkable that all of this contemporary music and early music can all is all constructed with the same same alphabet. It's remarkable. And, and so to think that, you know, you have to, to separate them um, while that it can be potentially easier on the ears sometimes if it's not done well, um, there's a lot of connections and a lot of similarities uh, between genres and between time periods. And I think it's a group like Chanticleer, it's almost our duty to highlight those similarities and those connections because we have the ability um, to perform all these different styles of repertoire. So, so yeah, at, at the very beginning of the concert, we start um, with a new commission uh, by a Chicago-based composer called Ayana Wood that she wrote for us, sort of in the middle of the pandemic, actually. And it's, um, it's based on, on, a, on an L.A. Times editorial that was written in uh, March 2020 called on performing arts venues to close now. She sort of reformulated that article, made an erasure poem out of it, and highlighted different words in it to create her own text that is, um, you know, it's 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 personal, but it's also fairly optimistic. Um, and at the end, she she encourages everybody to, to come back to life is the final line. Hmm. Uh, and so that's how we, we start off the program with this new piece of work written sort of through and of and for the current world we're in, but also looking forward to the future. And then we go immediately into a piece of Renaissance music, that one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. It's an excerpt from Monteverdi's uh, Vespers of 1610, uh, the movement Lauda Jerusalem, which is all full of joy and praising and life. And to see how we can go from, you know, the sort of, sort of, ambiguity of, of the current world of the past year and then just brought back to life um, with music from 400 years ago 
I think it's it's beautiful, and, and I, I, I it's some that kind of contrast I think is really important. Hmm. One of the uh, interesting questions that I have posed to quite a number of different musicians is what this time of the pandemic uh, has been like, and I'm certainly anxious to hear about that uh, from you and uh, and hear about how Chanticleer weathered this this really difficult period. But ahead of that, talk about the way the typical year is set up for Chanticleer, quite apart from when our whole world is turned upside down by something like the pandemic. I mean, do you, for instance, have seasons? Do you have a period where you rehearse, you perfect a program, and then you go out on tour and sing that program, and then you come back and rehearse a new program and then go out and perform it? Or or is uh, kind of the performance life of the group a bit more complicated than that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always complicated, and every year is different. Um, but in in general, um, Chanticleer performs about a hundred concerts every year, uh, and those you know I think maybe about sixty percent of those are um, on the road um, and and touring. Um, and we so every year we have a we have a a couple programs that we we tour around the country, um, including the one that we're going to sing in Wisconsin, which is called Awakenings. Uh, which we actually, you know, we've, we've performed it many times by now, actually, because we usually rehearse our touring programs the summer before we, we go out um, and sing them. So our season usually goes from, you know, August um, through the following July. So that kind of like a school year. Uh, and we rehearse our programs at the beginning of that year and then take them on tour for the rest of it. Uh, but within that... Um, Framework. We also have the opportunity to work on uh, sort of special projects throughout the year. So um, a lot of these happen in the Bay Area um, near San Francisco, and those are there's an opportunity for us to dive into a little more esoteric repertoire um, stuff that um, you know maybe doesn't have quite as broad an appeal. Um, so, for instance, um, coming up uh, in May, we've got a program of all uh, early Renaissance music, um, all music actually by Alexander Agricola and his uh, contemporaries. Um, so that's something that um, is a very unique sort of program that um, you know occasionally will take on tour, but is mostly a, a sort of special program for the Bay Area. Um, and then amidst all that, of course, we have our Christmas uh, program, which is a totally its own thing. And I think. In the month of December, I think between between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas Day, I think we always perform somewhere between 24 and 25 concerts. So it's always jam packed with a with a Christmas program that is, um, you know, every musician uh, owes a lot to Christmas to get us through the rest of the year. It's um, it's exciting and thrilling, and uh, it's obviously one of my favorite seasons to be a singer um, and to be a music director. Um, because we get to sing a, a completely separate set of repertoire um, of music that is familiar and exciting and um, a lot of fun. So uh, let's turn from the fun to the not so fun, uh, f- to the uh, to the terribly painful and difficult uh, experience that I'm sure uh, was uh, Chanticleer's experience uh, during this pandemic. And uh, I wonder f- for the group, uh, how did you weather? 
that really difficult period when I assume uh, your performance uh, schedule all but ground to a halt. Yeah, it's difficult. And, and you know, everybody has um, a story from the pandemic, and it's, I don't think it was easy on anyone. Um, it was certainly tough for us uh, for many reasons. Uh, of course, all our concerts were canceled for, um, gosh, over a year. Uh, and, um, I mean, you know, there's singing was not, still isn't really um, the most uh, accepted activity. You know, talking about um, spreading aerosols and singing is, a, is, frankly, a very good way to do that. Uh, so it, it was scary for, um, for all of us at the beginning. This thing that we loved so much all of a sudden became the very thing that you weren't supposed to do. And it's still, you know, there's still a lot of a lot of hesitancy, um, even to this day, uh, with you know different um, waves of the virus. It's it's never, we're not out of the woods yet, uh, but we're trying to make it work. And the beginning of the pandemic, before vaccines and everything, we um, we were trying to find ways to continue to perform and uh, without performing for live audiences. And so we did manage to film three complete concerts. In 2020 and 2021, as a way of, of still making our art and still getting people to to experience Chanticleer, it was a new thing for us. We're so used to being on the road and performing for live audiences, and it was it was um, it was well, gosh, it was a bit of a shock to all of a sudden have a whole concert that you're just singing to a couple cameras, <laughs> and there's no feedback, and there's no audience reaction, and there's no applause. And, you just sort of, okay, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, I'm really glad that we were able to make that happen and, and still be able to make some art uh, in the midst of it all. You come to Carthage uh, uh, for a concert this Friday night, and it makes me kind of wonder, what is it like to journey from place to place, from space to space, uh, and to find yourself in a place in which none of you, I assume, have ever sung before, and in terms of kind of making sense of it acoustically and exactly where you'll stand and exactly how you will hear each other and experience each other's singing. How difficult uh, a challenge is that for a group that tours as extensively as Chanticleer does? That's a great question. It, it is, it's not always easy. Um, Fortunately, uh, you know we're we're some pretty familiar with the repertoire at this point, um, and you know as I already said, everybody in Santa Clara is a fantastic musician, so we can we can make it work, sort of no matter the situation. Uh, but it does it does it always takes a little bit of time to get used to. Um, you know, it's really different performing a concert in a you know marble cathedral than it would be singing. On a uh, on a you know a, some performing arts center in 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 a town somewhere. This is vastly different acoustics, and it really changes um, not only how we hear a piece, but it can change how we sing a piece. Whether we um, take things a little faster, or a little slower, or uh, or how we stand, as you mentioned earlier, it's really important that we can hear each other. And 
sometimes we can't hear each other and we just have to trust that everybody's <laughs> going on the same page. Um, but it's, uh, it's always a, it's always um, a bit of an experiment when we first arrive to a place. But mm. uh, that's why we have a little bit of time before the concert to make sure that we can get ourselves set up appropriately. Great. Well, I've heard some wonderful groups uh, in Siebert Chapel, including Anonymous Four and the King Singers, and uh, and I believe Chanticleer some years ago. And uh, I'm I'm excited to uh, hear this uh, latest incarnation of Chanticleer in Friday night's concert. Your concert is going to include uh, a, a contemporary piece by a composer named Ulysses K. Uh, and a piece called Music. I thought it would be interesting to hear just a little bit of, of, about this uh, from this piece. But first I wanted to ask you, uh, I think it's one thing when you all come to the table with uh, a shared love of early music. It seems to me that when it comes to contemporary music, the possibilities are so endless and the possibility or potential is also there where somebody comes to you with a brand new piece, uh, bracingly modern, that some of you might really love and maybe some of you might not love quite so much. Uh, is that ever a challenge in terms of, of choosing modern works uh, to which all of you are going to be able to relate and, and sing enthusiastically? Of course, of course. And, you know, not just modern works, there's many different genres of music that not everybody's going to um, really resonate with every piece of music. Just as, as an audience member, you're not going to necessarily resonate with every piece of music that you hear. And it's the same for us. Um, I, I certainly have my favorite pieces on the program. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is um, part, of, part of what makes our job so special is that we have the opportunity to really lean into a piece of music and say, okay, I don't maybe I don't really like this text or maybe I don't really like this melody very much, but I'm going, we perform it, you know, over the course of a year, maybe we'll perform it 30 times. So I'm going to find, each time I'm going to try to find something that I can latch onto in this piece of music and so find something that I can love about it. It's also, um, you know, sort of our job as performers to to inhabit these spaces and love these spaces and display and sing these these works of music for the people who are really going to uh, resonate with it and um, the people who will really mean something to you. And so we have to present it um, with those people in mind because even if it's not our favorite piece of music, it might be somebody in the audience's favorite piece. Hmm. So tell us just a quick word about this piece by uh, Ulysses uh, uh, K that is part of Friday night's concert, this piece called Music. Yeah, um, this is, Ulysses um, K is a, a, a 20th century uh, black American composer. Uh, and this is a piece um, that he wrote for um, the Depar Infantry Chorus, I think back in 1953. Uh, it's a piece that I did not know anything about until I um, started as music director of Chanticleer and spent, you know, a couple of months sort of diving through the um, the catalog here, the the rows of filing cabinets of music, and stumbled across this piece, which is, um, it's beautiful. It's it's very um, harmonically intricate, uh, and it's written for a, a tenor bass ensemble. So, uh, as I said, written for the the infantry, the part infantry chorus. So it's sort of a, a very rich sound, um, and it's based on a on a text by um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, 
a text of the same name called Music. And throughout the text, uh, um, Emerson describes, um, he says that even in, uh, it's not just in the beautiful things where uh, music exists. It's not, there's beauty, there's beauty in the rainbow, yes, but there's also beauty elsewhere. And the, the final line um, of the poem is, uh, even in the mud and scum of things, there always, always something sings. So it's a little bit about finding beauty and about finding joy where you least expect it. Um, but it's, it's not always, I like to think it's not quite as, as you know, trite as, as, as um, just look on the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit about actually exploring what makes those things so miraculous. You know, what actually is, is happening in a, in a downpour of rain that is not so pleasant? What, what, are, what are the miracles that are taking place in that moment of, of, of darkness? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it meant a lot to us during the pandemic. It was a piece that we turned to a couple times in the pandemic, and, and it's a piece that um, is, it hasn't been performed a lot in America, and we are excited to sort of expose it to a broader audience um, throughout this tour uh, and because it's, it, it's, it's pretty special. Let's hear just a little bit of Ulysses K's music. Let me go striking piece of music indeed and again the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson they do speak to our time uh, as a matter of fact the last piece of music that we'll listen to as we close uh, is a uh, prayer for Ukraine that uh, Chanticleer uh, recently shared via YouTube uh, and that the Carthage Choir as a matter of fact uh, is also learning at this very moment the same piece albeit a slightly different arrangement and um so I appreciate the way in which Chanticleer has tried to, uh, over the course of its long history, uh, not only explore and celebrate the timelessness of music itself, but also speaking to uh, to certain issues and concerns and sometimes tragedies that are also part of our, our human experience. Uh, a last question. 
when you are looking for your newest members to join Chanticleer, how much do you have to think about the harmony of just being in the room together and working together, uh, not just the blend of, of actual voices, but the blend of personalities and so on? Uh, how do you think about that aspect of the group? Uh, because I should think that kind of chemistry is is central to what makes Chanticleer so incredibly successful. It's crucial. You're absolutely right. And it, it's a big factor um, in finding new members for the ensemble because, um, you know, singing is such a, well, it's a very vulnerable art form. And in order to sing beautifully and effectively and, and evocatively, you need to feel completely comfortable on stage and you need to be able to trust everyone that's around you. That's, that's even more so in ensemble singing. You need to be able to trust that they've got your back, that they're going to um, sing with you and take the same leap at the same time that you are. So it's, it's really important that everybody in the ensemble has respect and trust for each other. You know, that's not to say we don't have our differences every now and then you know, as we spend so much time together on, and on the road together. Um, but um, being able to, to rely on each other is, is crucial and, and, a, and a big factor, you're right, I think, of Chanticleer's success. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I know so many people who are uh, just thrilled uh, beyond words that uh, Chanticleer is coming to the campus of Carthage College for a concert this Friday evening in Siebert Chapel. And more information about Friday night's concert is available at carthage.edu. And... Uh, I do want to finish out our, our time together by uh, having Chanticleer sing this uh, lovely prayer for Ukraine as we all continue to feel such concern for the people of Ukraine. And it's uh, another example of the sublime beauty of Chanticleer's singing. And at the helm, their music director, Tim Keeler. Tim Keeler, I thank you so much for uh, uh, being part of the morning show today. It was an honor to speak with you and we wish you and all of the members of Chanticleer uh, only the very, very best uh, as you continue to share uh, your beautiful artistry with the world. Thank you again for being part of the morning show today. Thank you very much, Greg. It's a pleasure to chat. And here is that aforementioned prayer for Ukraine as sung by Chanticleer. 